Welcome to Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. We are advancing the Brave series, though all of us want to get to Thursday to see one of the best players on the planet return to the Padres. We'll try not to talk too much about this now so that we can, you know, ah, screw it. We're always going to be able to talk about Tatis. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Tatis. We will preview Padres versus Braves. Look, the only series the Padres have won this season was against the Braves. Took three of four in Atlanta. The Braves have not lost since. The Padres have won twice since. Ah, there you go. That's baseball. Ryan, how you doing? Where do you want to start? I want to start real quick before we get on to the Braves. I want to talk about yesterday because it's the most 2023 thing ever. Yeah. Old-fashioned pitcher's duel undone by Pitchcom. It's the yeah. first time in the history of the Padres, as far as I can recall, that somebody has blamed Pitchcom uh, for a run. Um, obviously it's, it's something to kind of chuckle about a day later, but what exactly went down there between you Darvish, um, Austin Nola and the pitch device. All right. Second inning, the, uh, Hey, give first off, give credit to the brewers for, for excellent execution. Padres are back in what, kind of the allowable shift where their shortstop, uh, Xander Bogarts is playing towards second. Manny Machado's deep playing towards shortstop. Uh, batter, left-handed batter, puts down a perfect bunt, reaches on a, on, a, on a single, right? Just barely reaches. He's on first base. Before the first pitch to the next batter, you Darvish steps off. There's a certain time where you can step off, and he thought he didn't disengage. He didn't realize mm-hmm. he'd engaged, so he thought didn't know he disengaged. Everyone else seems to have known by what I can gather, but I will tell you this, the umpires got much more demonstrative later in the game when they called a disengagement. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, he didn't think he disengaged. Pitchers are only allowed three disengagements per plate appearance. And if you disengage the third time, you better throw the runner out or the runner gets uh, uh, a base. Mm-hmm. So you Darvish throws a pitch, throws over second disengagement in use mind. It's the first. You Darvish throws another pitch, throws over. Second disengagement in use mind, third disengagement, runner goes from is awarded second. Use like, I think he clearly didn't know. Why did he throw over anyway? Because Bob Melvin had called a pitch out. That's signed from the dugout to Austin Nola, the catcher. Austin Nola, you must understand this about pitch calm. There are four modes so that every button on there can be four different things. Austin thought that he had changed the mode, but evidently that's the most difficult part. You got to hold it down hard, got to hold it down long enough. He hadn't changed the mode. So instead of calling pitch out, what was called, because time was running out and Austin's like, I just got to call something. What was called was pitch over. You just thought, okay, or throw over. Okay, fine. Because he didn't, you know, he thought he only had uh, one disengagement. Miscommunication, uh, all sorts of convergence of events. Here's what I'll say. And it is interesting. And understand, yeah, Austin Nola messed up. You know what? Easy for you and I to say. There's 20 seconds. By the time Austin Nola gets the sign from Bob Melvin, there's about 13, 14, 15 seconds. He's got to work with the pitcher. There's a lot going on. There's a runner on first. All this stuff. Okay, he messed up. Here's the deal. Padres aren't the only ones getting uh, having trouble in these situations. But when the offense doesn't score any runs, mm-hmm. When they can't stop a runner from taking off from second to third and stealing, which that runner did and then scores on a sacrifice fly, when the Padres can't get their own sacrifice fly in the first or the second inning, you lose one to zero. Sure, sure. You know, I've seen online, and it's probably the worst place to look, people are pretty critical of the Pitchcom device. The Pitchcom is 
designed to be faster than the old time put down two fingers, shake it off, put down three fingers, shake it off stuff. I mean, Pitchcom, especially now when every second matters, Pitchcom is widely viewed as the more efficient way to decide what pitch you're going to throw, right? Yep. Yep. It's very, very easy. All of us do it. We've done it forever. We get to do it more now online. We yep. can complain about what is real and make suggestions. He shouldn't have put that pitcher in. Oh, which pitcher should he have put in? I don't know, but he shouldn't have put that one in. Pitchcom sucks. Well, let me ask you this. How do they get it so that they can get all their signs done in 15 or 20 seconds? I don't know, but Pitchcom sucks. no pitchcom is being sworn by catchers pitchers it's that there are glitches yes it's it's unfortunate it can even be a little peculiar that it's happening but you know in a year in a month whatever it is we won't even be talking about it unless of course the potters are playing a bunch of zero zero games and possibly uh losing because of it can i ask you a, a silly pitchcom question again new guy I can play the new guy card, right? Hey, um, we're all new guys to the pitch call. Austin Nola signals pitch, you know, whatever it is, throw over or whatever. You Darvish, it reads out throw over to you Darvish in his ear. How does in that his work? Ear, it's pick or whatever okay. it is that they're or whatever. It, I he has, mean, a, he has an English, earwig in there. It might right, even be okay. Japanese for you, even though he speaks perfect English. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, there's what 16, 17 different things they can they can do. Okay. But it's signaled over as here's what we're doing curveball yep. or whatever it is. Okay. Curveball, uh, uh, curveball down. Uh, for you, maybe it's, uh, you know, it's a little harder with all of his pitches. No. But yeah, it's fastball in, What you know, uh, pick, uh, pitch out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Technology, man. We've been talking a lot about the pitch clock and uh, not so much about pitch com, which I know has been around for a couple of years, but. More people are using it now because every second matters, right? Well, it's two-way, and all the right. infielders have it. Let's see, it was two infielders last time. It was the middle <laughs> infielders um, and and the catcher. And uh, the pitcher had the device in his ear, but now the pitcher has it on his belt. The, uh, all the infielders have it. So before, they were doing their own signs. They were seeing what the sign was. They were getting signs like, yes, that's a wonderful and romantic way for baseball to have been done. It's very, very difficult with all that's going on in the game now. I honestly, you know, I covered the NFL, took a break from baseball, uh, covered the NFL. That game is incredibly complicated. Uh, but I think everyone knows it's incredibly complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Like fans second guess, but there's certain things they don't because they know, you know what? There's a lot going on on that play, right? 11 mm-hmm. players all doing their thing. I think that we all think that Major League Baseball is more like Little League right. or even high school, right? Then which so many of us played, then it is. It's freaking, it's it's complicated. I don't want to make it rocket science, but there is so much going on every pitch. And this year, and I knew it would be this way, but the reality is still surprising me. It is at hyperspeed. So every infielder too then has the yeah. earwig in. So you can <laughs> yes. hear in yeah. real time. You can hear in real time what pitch is being called. Yep. It's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. That's incredible. Uh, not so incredible. Uh, the Padres bats on Sunday. Again, you know, uh, we can talk about pitch comp all you want. Fact remains that they had many, many, many opportunities uh, to, to try to score one or two runs against the Brewers and didn't. They were shut out one nothing. Kevin, it's early. If this were a football season, we'd be barely into game two. Barely. Barely into game two. That said, uh, cause for concern at this point. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, like I wrote today in the newsletter, they're a flawed team. Every team's flawed. Dodgers are eight and eight. Uh, what is it? The Diamondbacks are nine and seven. Uh, the Braves come here at 12 and four, having won six in a row. There's a second best record. You know, every team has flaws. Uh, I think back uh, 2021, the Braves won the World Series, had a losing record early in the summer. 2019, the Nationals won the World Series, had a losing record early in the summer, maybe even middle summer. Last year, the Padres were middling for much of the year, mm-hmm. went on a run to the NLCS. It is early. There, there's some troubling things. Juan Soto? Yeah. Juan Soto? My next uh, question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look. You know what the first thing I want to talk about with Juan Soto? I know that there was a quote out there, and I was there when it was given, about him saying no one's helping him or whatever, right? Everyone's got ideas. We need to be careful when we assign too much importance to what a player speaking in his second language to guys is. And I didn't use that portion of the quote. Mm-hmm. And and I've second-guessed because I didn't want it out there being interpreted as it's interpreting now, which is the hitting right. coaches aren't helping Juan Soto. Right. What I should have done is use the quote and then explained what Juan Soto meant, which was just that he knows that everybody, fans, media, TV commentators, coaches, everybody has, mostly people on the outside, have their opinions. He's the guy who's got to make the fixes, and no one's kind of like making them for him. Uh, He also said in that interview, and I don't know where people have read all this, but um, he also said in an interview, he talked about how, over the past, the previous couple of days, this was in Atlanta when he said this to us about how the hitting coaches had helped him. Right. So it's, I try not to give, I pick and choose when I'm going to push back on something I see um, on Twitter or that is, I see has become a narrative uh, among whoever it is that writes for these various uh, fan sites now and, and all that. Um, but it's like, Juan Soto wasn't saying no one at the Padres is helping him. That's just not the case. Um, anyway. Juan Soto's got some mechanical issues. We've written about him. We've talked about him. I think what's come to the point now, and this is educated speculation based on talking with people, based on knowing or hearing who Juan Soto was before, knowing what he looks like when he's right. I think there's a, a confidence situation going on here, and there's a pressure. And I think all the Padres are feeling it, but Juan Soto, to a certain extent, is feeling like he has a lot to prove. He wants to do well. He's a very confident man. And, mm-hmm. and right now things are going horribly, like even worse than they were last year for him. And Padres fans saw what last August and September were like for Juan Soto. Yeah, which is crazy because, again, he was fantastic both in spring training and in the World Baseball Classic. Despite that injury, there's no indication that any of this is physical, correct? No, because, I mean, he's playing and he's playing every day. Him, Xander Bogarts, Trent Grisham. Xander, Trent Grisham. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I think right. that's the three. M- Manny has played every day. It was a, there was a DH day in there. Xander mm-hmm. had a DH day. Soto and Grisham are the only guys who played in the field every day. Right. It, it, he's one of those guys too. He has such a good eye. I th- I think Juan Soto, somebody who again is walking. His on base percentage is not bad, by the way. He's been three fifty two. Yeah, something like that. Right. It's in the three fifties. He's leading the major leagues in walks. In walks. Despite hitting a buck seventy-two or something yes. like that, I have seen some criticism of him maybe not caring more about the walk, but content to walk in big situations, like in yesterday's ninth inning. I uh, what do we make of that? I hate to do this, except for when it seems like it's fairly out there for us, like to see. Right. And I'm not comparing Trent Grisham and um, Juan Soto, but it's reminding me of Trent Grisham 2022. 
incredible eye, a good right. hitter, capable hitter, who is up there and kind of doesn't is kind of caught between, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because now Juan Soto has started to swing at some pitches that he doesn't usually swing at. Mm-hmm. Still got the good eye for the most part, but has also making swings that are not judicious. Right. And so, yeah, I think that criticism, I mean, fans can see certain things, right? Like mm-hmm. fans, media, we all jump to conclusions. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. we got to be careful, but yeah, I think that's a valid one to, to, yeah. to a certain extent. Sure. And then you saw both Soto and Grisham yesterday up in perhaps being maybe too selective with the game on the line, you know, a fantastic statistic. What is it? Something like 40 players in the history of baseball have ever struck out looking with the bases loaded and two outs in the ninth. Or in like one? 35 years, and supposedly what <laughs> right. Trent Grisham did there, which was what two outs based. I mean, this is all I love baseball stats, right? There's a lot of qualifiers here, right. but uh, two outs, bottom of the ninth, um, bases loaded down, down one a run or whatever right. it was. Yeah. He's the first player in 17 years. Now, right. That might have a lot of qualifiers, but there are whatever 1,600 games played a year or something, um, right. whatever it is. I'm probably low on that. And uh, an awful lot of at-bats, an awful lot of bottom of the ninths, an awful lot of bases loaded. Like, that's a pretty incredible stat. And yeah. what was that was one of the rare times this year that Trent Grisham has looked like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Williams had bounced four of his previous five change-ups. He has a yeah. fastball and a change-up. And Trent Grisham just watched a, a fastball down the middle with the game on the line. Right. That was that was that was something. Right. Well, and, and it seems as if some of these guys can't win. Can't win for losing sometimes, right? You 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 don't feel like you're putting together good at bats, and so you're going to try to get up there and not make mistakes by swinging at a bad pitch, swinging at a pitch that's outside, and and then next thing you know, you're looking at strike three. It's an incredible difficult thing to do. I, I don't know that we we appreciate that or give that. That said, there's a reason mm-hmm. that you make millions of dollars to do it because you're better right. at it than us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can tell you what my softball batting average is, Kevin. It's probably not very good. Yes. <laughs> a week ago when we talked, or last time we talked, Kevin, I'm sorry, we talked a lot about the catching situation, that it looked like uh, Luis Campusano was going to get um, more, maybe not the lion's share of, of, of the starts, but more starts than he was getting. He comes up with a sprained thumb. All of a sudden, they turn to Brett Sullivan. First, uh, I mean, it seems like bad luck for Campusano from an injury standpoint. And secondly, tell me a little bit about Brett Sullivan because I love the story that you had, um, the item you had about his call-up. Yeah, I mean, good kid who uh, seems to have in spring training because uh, he was traded uh, – from the Brewers, uh, part of the Victor Caratini uh, trade last uh, year. So he wasn't at spring training because uh, that was the first day of the season. Seemed to have, uh, you know, to a certain extent, bonded with uh, pitchers and the guys who were around him. Real good kid. Uh, lifelong uh, minor leaguer, was in the race system with Cronenworth and Brent Honeywell. Um, and he played for Italy, his mom. Uh, he was able to do that. Sullivan is not an Italian name, in case you were wondering. It's his mom's side. He played for Italy in the World Baseball Classic. Evidently did very well. Uh, certainly the Padres were more impressed with what they saw there than what they saw in the spring. He's got a, probably the best arm of the three of the guys, which isn't saying very much. Uh, by the way, it's not the fact that these guys can't throw that uh, is the reason the Padres have, have the, you know, are the worst in the league at giving up stolen bases. Um, are we talking about Brent Honeywell? Loving Sullivan, or are we talking about how Sullivan uh, heard that he was being called up to the, the um, what he called the show for the first time? I loved the story about how he got called up. 
That is really cool. Anybody who's got a, a, a son. So Brett Sullivan, it's after the game on Saturday in El Paso. There's just there ha- the team meeting is called. Uh, he has his three-year-old son Hudson. Uh, in order to have him be quiet during the team meeting, he gets him some ice cream. And uh, the meeting was called so that Brett Sullivan could be told in front of his teammates that he was going to the big leagues. And everyone starts clapping. And three-year-old Hudson thinks everyone's clapping for him. He's just so stoked, and he's clapping, and he's got no idea what's going on, obviously. But to be a a, a father. And beholding your son while you're finding out you're going to the big leagues for the first time. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's pretty cool. It doesn't get it's much better cool. than that. And he's, he appears to be a really well-liked guy uh, based in part what, what Brent Honeywell told you about him. I mean, you wrote that, that Honeywell got emotional yeah. talking about just Sullivan as the human being. He said the reason he's still in baseball is because Brett Sullivan kept him going. Yeah, I wonder if uh, it reminded me a lot how pitchers talk about Austin Nola and whatever people think about Austin Nola. There's a rapport there between the uh, the him and, and his pitchers uh, for sure. And there's a care factor there. And and just like Austin Nola, Brett Sullivan is a uh, was drafted as an infielder. He was a third baseman. Third Actually, baseman. he's played all the corner spots, kind of like uh, Brandon Dixon, except he was tr- uh, changed to Brett Sullivan was changed to a catcher. And and you you wonder like teams obviously see skill there but they also see an empathy factor and and a knowledge factor uh that it, when they decide that they're going to try to change a guy from infield to or wherever infield usually to to catcher and and they have that those they have that in common look brett sullivan might get one start he might catch for ryan weathers tonight uh and then i would imagine that 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 would be it uh brett uh, blake snell comes up tomorrow nick martinez comes up tomorrow those guys uh certainly prefer nola though i think that one of them would have gotten campusano uh if, if he were healthy and and who knows uh maybe he could be though bob melvin seemed uh having been a catcher himself too. So he knows firsthand that you want to give a couple extra days when you have one of these jammed thumbs, because you know what? A catcher catches the ball 150 or so times a game. So there's a lot of chances for another foul ball, which only then makes it worse. And so uh, you want to make sure this is healed before he comes back, but they did not put him on the IL. Now that might seem significant, but the fact is they have an abundance of outfielders uh, Mm -hmm. and they have plenty of infielders too. Like, you got the DH. It's it's kind of like, you know, if you need a hitter, put up Brett Sullivan or whoever's not catching that day. It really wasn't a big deal to, to bring up a third catcher and and send down, a, a, you know, Brandon Dixon. Right. And to be clear with Campusano, this is his glove hand? His throwing hand? Yeah, this is his left, yes. Left, so that's his glove hand. Okay. Man, and before we get on to... Uh, just reminded me that I don't think that I said that in my story which is a major faux pas though i do believe it was obvious when we're talking about a guy catching uh, a ball which i referred to several times but i do not believe i used left hand sounds to me anyway, like some ter- sounds to me like some terrible editing that, that that's uh that's what we're i were a want. team we're a team oh, yeah, we're we got it just like the padres right like like the pitch the you know uh you darvish doesn't blame his offense for not scoring right right i'm not gonna blame the editor whoever that is Whoever that is. Real quick, before we get into the Braves, uh, let's talk just a little bit about two guys who should be returning this weekend in Phoenix. Fernando Tatis Jr. has apparently done something out of a Matt Christopher children's book or uh, whatever whatever it is. He's uh, he's become Roy Hobbs. He was killing Roy it. Hobbs. Yeah, k- killing it in El Paso. Uh, Joe Musgrove made a rehab start yesterday, then pronounced himself ready to go. Uh, do, do we anticipate? Well, first of all, let's talk about Tatis. Uh, I know that we take 
stats from El Paso with a grain of salt. But what does this mean to you and what has this shown you? He's not missing pitches, and that's great. And I think that that's all you can you can ask, right? He was hitting the ball hard. He was hitting the ball far. It's, it is El Paso, so okay, whatever. But what if he hadn't, right? Like what if he had – It'd be a story if he run? wasn't, right, yeah. You know, yeah. and so Tati's seeing the ball well. Great. Let's go. Get him, keep him healthy, uh, have, have him play, and maybe he really can be the difference uh, and help uh, elevate everybody uh, else. Uh that's that's basically, I think, what you take from it. It's better than the alternative. It's what you would have expected of the Tatis had he ever played in AAA when he was 19, right? Like, right. like it's, it's kind of what you would have expected. Here's the significance to me. We start out spring training, and it's like, I didn't have any question. Look, whatever he did or didn't put on his body and for whatever reason – in no way did I ever think he was a good player because of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I, he, I, I thought he, if he was healthy, he was going to come back and be the same player. We didn't know if he was healthy. All the things we saw him do during the spring, including go over 16, the increase in his workload as his wrist uh, felt better, his um, making sliding catches in the outfield, uh, his improvement in the outfield play, his arm uh, th- throwing. Uh, it was like, okay, he's healthy. He's looking like himself now in this uh, rehab uh, stint. He's looking like himself. The significance to me is, okay, we now can have confidence he will be the same old uh, um, Tatis. Sure. You'll talk to Musgrove or to Bob Melvin about Musgrove at some point today. Is the anticipation that he'll be back uh, sometime in Phoenix? I think it always was. So uh, I I haven't asked anybody about this, but as I I was looking at it, I think you probably – don't slot him in before you Darvish. So uh, mm-hmm. I think, think you would be Saturday. And, and so I think you let you go. And then uh, Weathers would be on Sunday um, or whenever it is that you pitches, Weathers is the next day. And that's when you slot Joe in. So I think it's the latter half of this four game series uh, in, in, in Phoenix. Nice. Uh, tonight battle of left-handers, uh, Ryan Weathers versus Max Freed. Max Freed, uh, old friend, I guess, one time Padre minor leaguer. Uh, two good young arms here. How do you see this uh, pitching matchup shaping, shaking out? Yeah, well, Max Fried's a heck of a pitcher. Ryan Weathers nice. can be a heck of a pitcher. So right now he's been a five-inning guy. And look, if he gives him five quality innings like he did the last time, leaves with a lead or, uh, you know, a, a tie game, uh, he did his job. That's what you're expecting from your number six starter, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think that's great. So uh, they got Freed, Strider, and Morton. They faced both Strider and Morton last time. I think scored three runs off each of them, or I think it was three earned runs. It might have been four off Morton. Um, They, you know, actually did fairly well against uh, two really good pitchers there. Mm -hmm. They now face three really good pitchers. And what do the Padres have going? Like I just said, they're number six starter. And then they have Blake Snell and Nick Martinez. Look, Blake Snell and Nick Martinez could go out and throw six innings apiece and, and, or not. So, um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions, a lot, a lot of questions, uh, with this team right now. Yeah. If I, uh, if I didn't have work, I think I'd load up the kids and go see Spencer Strider, Blake snow Tuesday. I think that's, uh, as matchups go, those are two guys with the potential to do something special. Every time they pitch. I love Strider, uh, love Strider. Hey, I love Snell. I do. Yeah. Uh, drives you crazy watching him. Incredible talent. Mm-hmm. The thing about him is right when it's like you are like, not me, not you, some people that I hear from, 
send him to triple a yeah he sucks that's the day that he gives you the you know six and two thirds uh with 12 strikeouts um but right now to have much confidence when he's not throwing anywhere near the strike zone it's um mm-hmm. It's tough. So I think that you should just look forward to every Blake Snell start because it's another chance for him to, you know, get right. Sure. Kevin, before we go here, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Uh, you wrote in today's Padres Daily Newsletter, Padres are wearing their PCL uniforms tonight, honoring Johnny Ritchie. Uh, uh, he broke the color barrier on the West Coast 75 years ago. You wrote that those uniforms are sweet. Yeah. You a Navy? Are you a Navy blue uniform guy? No, no, but the just okay. the – they're, they're the, the old fashioned and the yeah. font and, and, you know, it is different. No, you always got to be wary because it was like this team changed uniforms all the time and all that. And I'm definitely not a Navy blue guy, but these are really sweet. What I wasn't aware was that uh, Motorola was around back in 1948 because there's a Motorola patch on there. So I wasn't aware. Ah, wow, that's amazing. It's <laughs> fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny we will say this about the Padres in their lives or in their existence, 75 plus years, they've worn what red, blue, orange, yellow, Brown. What else am I missing? Well now pink, uh, some sort of mint green. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Mm. I guess got to say like the blue was better than the silly clown uniforms of the 98 era. Um, I'd never understood Ooh. that. I'd never understood that. And Coming I know in that hot basically, AC. Yeah. I believe that's, uh, well, I think majority of, of longtime fans were, were Brown fans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe not the Taco Bell uh, Brown, but uh, the, the Brown. And then I know that a lot of people, but here's that's that supports what I always said. If the Padres had won two World Series while wearing the blue and sand, no one would have, no one would have cared, right? Make the Brewers change their uniforms. Uh, you know, the Padres can stay in this color. Uh, the reason the uniforms were such a big deal is because this franchise has stunk for so long. Uh, but we are rightfully back in the brown. And after today, we can get back to uh, brown. I believe this is the fifth different look uh, in, in five days. That's 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 crazy. Keep in mind, Kevin, I've, I've spent some time in Arizona in my career. And uh, there is a growing fan base there that says the Diamondbacks should go back to purple and teal. Because they were good when they wore purple and teal. There you go. The only there good uniforms go. they have are the Serpientes. Those are cool. Those are super cool. On the next one, we'll break down the City Connects at some point uh, in a future show. Uh, we're right up at the 30-minute mark here. Kevin, I will let you get to work. That'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll talk to you next time from Phoenix, Arizona. as Fernando Tatis and the Padres get it going. See you next time. Take care.